Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Last show of the year for the Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel, Jerry Lopez. We call him Spanglish because that is his uh, Twitter handle, at Indy Spanglish is here filling in for Hammer. The What's going on tomorrow is a little weird. IU is cutting into a big portion of the show. Before the show, I think we're airing. I, I need to get with my boss, Matt, something about, like, I think the newsroom put together um, you know, a, a retrospective, uh, you know, best of 2023 in terms of local stories. I think we're airing that tomorrow, headed into IU. Then Monday is New Year's Day, obviously. Tune in New Year's Day at 11 a.m. They're doing the um, uh, Remembering Bob Knight, uh, which is a documentary that Jake Query put together with his uh, producer, Jonathan. It is unbelievable. I've heard it on our sister's talk station, sports talk station a number of times. Sort of like a, you know, a, a timeline, a retrospective of the life of Coach Bob Knight. Certainly his passing, Jerry, uh, is uh, one of the biggest news stories, uh, not only for Hoosiers here in this state, but in the, in the college basketball sporting world. Um, so that is airing Monday at 11 and uh, we've got a great show for you. CNN, what do you think is the biggest issue facing Americans uh, concerning, you know, the state of the country, the security of the country? The, I mean, it's the border, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind I, of a leading question. but Yeah, I, mean, I think without question, it's the border. The, bo- the, the border itself affects so many other things in this country that it has to be there. That has to be number one. And it affects people in this country. I think there's some people that like an open border. I think even giant corporations love the fact that they can get cheap labor, drive wages down, have a bigger pool of people to choose from. I think Democrats, especially radical progressive Democrats, who will feign outrage that there are illegal immigrants being bussed into their town and their communities, really what they want for these illegal immigrants to be processed in a quick, timely fashion so they could start working and so they could get voter ID identification cards and so they could vote Democrat. That's what they really want. Whenever you, whenever you see uh, somebody, somebody in, one of, in one of these blue states, in one of these blue cities, feign outrage that, that Governor Abbott is busing, Texas Governor Abbott's busing them into their cities, what they really want is a quicker process, a, a timely, orderly fat way to process these th- people through the system so they could start working. Well, I think we would agree that if they could vote, people wouldn't be compl- these mayors would not be complaining. Oh, not at all. They they'd certainly find a way to make it work. Uh, immigration is quickly closing in, according to CNN. I mean, this is it's funny because CNN uses a Fox News poll for this clip. <laughs> Listen to this clip: Immigration loot closing in on the economy is the top issue for voters in blue states. Here is the senior analyst Harry Enton breaking it down. Take a look at the immigration slash border security. It was just at 11 percent in August. Look where it's hopped to now. 19 percent. So it's closing in on the economy and a number of different polls I've looked at. Immigration and border security is running a closer second place to the economy as we head into 2024. And you might be thinking, Phil, okay, this is just Republican voters who are feeling this way. Nope. But I want you to take a look here because I think this is rather interesting. 
the most Google searches for migrants by state. Look at all these states, Phil. They're all blue states. Illinois is one. New York is two. Massachusetts is three. New Jersey is four. Colorado is five. And of course, there's been a lot of talk about the migrant crisis in both Illinois and New York. And it seems like even voters in those states, very blue states, states that Democrats win in general elections almost always, they are focusing on this issue as well. So it's a big voter issue. Well, immigration wasn't an issue until it showed up on their doorstep. Texas has been yelling and screaming and waving their hands about this for 10 years. It's so disingenuous for people like, I don't know, New York City Mayor Adams, who just made up this new law that you have to, buses have to give 36-hour notice. You can only show up between the hours of 8 and noon. And, and we will uh, impound uh, your bus if you don't follow the rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, I mean, you know, Eagle Pass, Texas doesn't give 36-hour notice. I mean, they're talking about putting the bus drivers in jail. I mean, the yeah, cra- that's the problem. The bus, the bus drivers. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the the issue is whether it's Mayor Johnson out of Chicago or Mayor Adams out of New York City, they both campaigned heavily for being pro immigration, pro sanctuary city. All are welcome here. Mayor Johnson hasn't even been there two years, and he's already trying to walk that back. And, and Mayor Adams, like you said, is now creating laws to try to lock up bus drivers. Let's go to the guy you mentioned, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, uh, talking about how, here he is talking about how the entire country's security is at stake. The technical support that we receive from the federal government, we appreciate that. Uh, work authorization to put people on a pathway to sustainability, I certainly appreciate that. And without real significant um, investment from our federal government, it won't just be the city of Chicago that won't be able to maintain this mission. It's the entire country that is now at stake. But in no way um, what the state of Texas is doing um, is helping the cause. Oh, it's their as fault. much as we recognize that there are challenges, significant challenges at the border, and we do need real substantive immigration reform and policies that allow us um, to have a structure and a pathway mm-hmm. um, to citizenship. But again, sending buses all over the state of Illinois and all over the country is reckless and, quite frankly, is dangerous. It's it's Governor Abbott's fault. Yeah. Texas that, so what, just fault. keep him there. Just keep him in those little, you know, those those little towns that have been suffering for years. The system has not only broken down, it is broken. It for, is collapsed. Hey, forget a stay in Mexico policy. He wants a stay in Eagle Pass policy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... And this is really seriously a, a Democrat issue that that could blow back in their faces. Let me, hey Carl, can you pull my computer up uh, real quick? I wanted to play a, a clip from yesterday. Do you know how to do that? Yeah. Am I up? Uh, yeah, you're up. Wait, there. Here, here is uh, uh, an elderly black man addressing the Chicago City County Council. We played this yesterday uh, about the migrant crisis in Chicago. And listen to what he says here later about, hey, Trump, you need to get in here and fix this mess. What about the black children in the ghetto? We got to make a future for them. These others will move them out. Move us out and then come in to compete with jobs, goods, and contracts. Trump, come in here. Clean this mess up. The most. I mean, that should send 
shivers down the spines of Democrats. That's their constituency. This constituency that's been voting for them. I would like to know how he for, voted. For decades and decades and decades, and yeah. nothing's getting better. No, but and nothing so can get better, Nigel. If things get better, you'll stop voting Democrat. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, do we have Carl legal stuff lined up? Let's do some legal stuff here real quick. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. You see this 400-pound Wayne State University student? He's suing the school for discrimination. They didn't allow him to complete his physical education requirement virtually. David Lopez is no 44 relation. years old. No relation. No relation. <laughs> no relation. Jerry Lopez, my uh, fill-in co-host today. So basically, the only requirement this dude had left before graduating, he wanted to be a gym teacher, 44-year-old gym teacher. 400-pound gym teacher. The only requirement he had left w- was instructing an actual gym class as a student teacher, <laughs> which he wasn't able to do because of his size and health. He's got, I mean, he's 400 pounds. His doctor did give him an accommodation, so which, meant, which means, like, look, you could do this virtually if you want. But he's diabetes, obesity, hypertension, asthma. I can't stand or walk for long periods of time. Pretty much the worst gym teacher <laughs> ever. Wouldn't you be the worst gym teacher ever? Wouldn't you want to choose some other sort of profession? Why did he want to do that? I don't know. Maybe he thought it would get him in shape at 400. I mean, this guy obviously has a medical condition that wouldn't allow him to perform hey, his duties too properly. Much. Well, That's I not mean, a medical condition, Nice. He's got diabetes. Because uh, he eats too much. Because he eats too much. <laughs> Obesity. Because he's too much. <laughs> Stop. And, and asthma because it's carrying all that weight. And so Dearborn Public Schools said they wouldn't allow an obese gym instructor to teach even the lessons virtually. So he's suing for an undisclosed, undisclosed amount of money. So you have kids. I have kids. Could you imagine your, your daughter or son in front of their computer doing jumping jacks for a 400-pound teacher <laughs> watching them on the yeah, other? The whole notion that they're doing it virtually to begin <laughs> with is... Is ridiculous. So my my thing is my New Year's resolution, especially after I came down with the Rona last week. I do I, I do want to concentrate a little bit more on the health, the eating, the portions, the booze during the week, and and I mean I, I mean that's that's a key nobody talks about when especially in terms of COVID. Right. At the beginning, nobody talked about staying healthy, eating the right things, the right supplements, getting outside. I mean, hell, they were locking you in Well, the indoors. shutdown hurt us more than if they would have said, yeah. go outside and exercise. And and when you do get it, hopefully you get a mild case. I was lucky last week. I got a very mild case of the Rona. I've never had it before that I've known of. In 2020, I did lose my, my, my taste in 2020, like in November after my wife had it. But I never had any... Uh, symptoms in terms of, of sickness. Uh, so I, I guess I had it back then, but this was really last week, the first time I ever had to deal with it. I'm just very lucky they were mild symptoms. And here now uh, is a tribute, uh, Hammer and Nigel Records, as we dig deep here, our last show. We're going to do kind of the best of Hammer and Nigel Records pretty much every segment. A tribute to those of us that have had corona, but have lucky enough to have only had mild case of corona. Blame it on the Chinese. We're all scared to sneeze. Looking up symptoms online. You can't smell your food. 
You can't taste your booze, but other than that, you're just fine. <laughs> and I saw the surprise in Hogsett's eyes when you said you're doing quite good. He took a shot from his flask and yelled, put on your mask or I'll lock you all down for good. Oh, here we go. Because I got friends with mild cases. No fever, no cough, just body aches. And they'll be okay. Yeah! Woo! In 14 days. Yeah, Fauci's advice changes week to week. But if he cancels Thanksgiving, he can kiss my butt cheeks despite my friends with mild cases. There it is! All right, we were in a Garth Brooks uh, kind of mood there for uh, Hammer and Nigel Records. Matt Bear, what's going on with traffic? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, my name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer with the traffic beast, Matt Bear. Live in studio. You can catch us on uh, our YouTube channel, streaming live right now. Just type in uh, Hammer and Nigel. You'll find us. Matt, how are the holidays, man? Family, kids, being around the ones you love. It was it was great. Um, <laughs> I did get to see everybody I wanted to see. That's That, that was the best part about it. But I, I don't know why holidays just bring anxiety, man. You know, you just get really nervous. Yeah, people you want to see. Yeah, There's maybe some people you don't want to see. But you have to deal with it anyway. I know that. I understand that. And I think that's pretty much par for the course for everybody in this studio, right? That's definitely standard operating procedure for holidays. Let's uh, Before <laughs> right. we get started here, let's do a, a, we've been doing kind of a best of Hammer and Nigel records today. This is our last day of the, sh- the, the show for the year. Here is, um, here is a tribute from Hammer and Nigel records uh, for, you know, Spending time, this is more specifically time with family at at Thanksgiving and what that's like. Go ahead. Well, I don't know why I came here today. (laughs) I'll just smile real big and then go away. These dinners with the family are great. One year I somehow got hit by a plate. Aunts to the left of me, uncles to the right, here I am spending Thanksgiving with you. Being here is the best I could do. Everybody's drinking way too much booze. But my cousins are starting to fight. And neither one of them's what you call bright. <laughs> Sisters to the left of me, drop bro on my right, here I am spending Thanksgiving with you. There you go. Uh, going back to Thanksgiving, there. Spending Thanksgiving with you. So, all right, Matt Bear, New Year's Eve. What could we expect? What's going on? What's the plan? What are you doing? I know these the, these days for you, New Year's Eve looks a lot different than they have in years past. Yeah, I haven't been to a New Year's party in a while, and uh, I, I, I. And I still right. drink. 
I want nothing to do with it. What, what do people? What do adults do for New Year's Eve now? I mean, my idea is to stay home and live to fight another day. That, that's kind of the way I do it. But do people go to parties still? I mean, do you, do you guys Jerry, buy tickets? You somewhere? I know. I mean, Usually, my mom hosts something. We'll all go over there, watch the ball drop. Kids are in her PJs. We're out at twelve oh four. Nice. I want to be out before up. the bar's empty. That's my goal. <laughs> I'm not even that's out. I'm not even up that late on New Year's. No. Well, well, you don't. You don't no. even see the ball drop. No. What, what are, are you, you doing? Are you kidding me? I've got kids. That's so anti-American. Well, it's my it's Con, Connor's birthday is he turns twelve, my son. So that's usually that's you know gotta be in somewhat good shape that's around. An your awesome kid. birthday, the future for him. Yeah, twenty first birthday awesome. is going to be interesting for New Year's. I remember it was 2015, 26, somewhere around there, but it's when downtown was dropping the IndyCar. As a ball for oh, New Year's yeah. Eve, it was the coolest thing. It was just like something special, Indianapolis. Oh, you it. think so? Yeah, I, really, I, I loved I, it. I thought it was like the the rap on that was it was kind of lame. Well, I here's it, it made such a party though. I bet if they drop okay, if, if they drop Hogset this year, it'd be way more people. <laughs> Hogset, <laughs> yeah. there might be a repercussion for that. Then again, if you drop if you drop Simon Pagano's IndyCar from the top, you might get in trouble too. Um, yeah, it was such a party, but it was so cool. But I just remember everybody having a good time in the streets of downtown Indiana. It was just it wasn't quite to the level of the Super Bowl, which no. I don't remember. But it, it seems like it was it was a really good time. It, it just People having drinks and just uh, just watching the IndyCar drop. It's kind of cool. Uh, Raiders game. Raiders Colts this Sunday at home. Lucas Oil. You going? Anything we need to know on the roads? Uh, the roads are, are, are pretty much what we expect downtown. It, it seems to me it gets worse and worse to drive downtown every single day. Uh, but that's because this I week's drive been nice. It, it has been nice because a lot of people yeah. haven't been on the road. So when you do come down, you can, you can have that little bit of grace. Uh, I, I don't think the Colts will be hosting a playoff game, but just in case, just remember that for whenever we get back from the new year. Um, just watch the ride on Reds, and those are up. We follow them. Sometimes we don't, but the point of the ride on Red is there are people crossing that crosswalk, and just be extra careful, especially if you're from out of town. I get it. You know, I'm from a small town. I first got to the city crosswalks. Didn't mean a whole lot to me. So, you know, somebody <laughs> was crossing the crosswalk. I accidentally hit them, and, and that's something I don't want and to happen sometimes knowing else, so. you and the, some of the conditions you've been in over the years before you got sober crosswalks didn't mean a whole hell of a lot more either you're right <laughs> um tires didn't mean a whole lot at that point and, and i say that shamefully i i, I really do but yeah it's it, with, with new year's eve coming up and um with, with the game on a sunday just be really careful in these densely populated areas and just just allow everybody plenty of grace especially yourself That's don't don't puke thing. in your uber <laughs> don't, don't yeah let's make this a yeah. yakking in your uber free 2024 you know um what what speaking of 2024 the the your your new podcast it's supporting sobriety right supporting yeah, sobriety is the new matt bear podcast along with uh with, with ryan yes right from the newsroom yeah ryan hedrick our morning news anchor and we are both in recovery he's a recovering addict yeah. i'm a recovering alcoholic and uh, we started a podcast and right. uh, we have three episodes done, so it's awesome. it's really exciting. Yeah, and, and are this, they available yet? They will be available in January. Oh, they okay. aren't quite yet, and we'll put it out and let everybody know. But but the point of this podcast is, I mean, yeah, we're helping ourselves by doing the podcast. That's the way it works in recovery. But we really want to give people the tools, the people that are supporting the addicts and alcoholics. You know what I mean? Uh, the people that the family, uh, yeah, that like say yeah, exactly. Whether it's uh, husbands, wives, family, Al-Anon groups, uh, we want a podcast for those people to say hey this 
is this is kind of where we can navigate ourselves and try to help our alcoholic and addict because i know as an alcoholic what i put everybody else through so maybe we yeah. can give a little bit back now you know it's cool hey matt bear where can people find you we are at matt and traffic at uh the twitter and the x and, and whatever else and uh, that's the best place to find me traffic tips at wibc traffic love to have you guys as uh, such a blessing thank you happy new year's brother happy and new uh, we'll happy see new year. you uh here next week that's matt bear traffic beast on the hammer and nigel show whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're only making plans for Nigel. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez over there filling in for hammer uh this is the last hammer and nigel show of 2023 thank everybody all the hammer and nigel fans for checking us out making us the the top rated show in our time slot um and we couldn't do it without our huge fans we're here on uh, x at hammer and nigel find us streaming now on youtube tons of ways to get the show if you can't listen now get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts at including itunes Tomorrow, what is it? Carl, Carl is uh, producing the show. He's filling in for Allison. What, what is happening at three o'clock tomorrow? Tomorrow is the. Um, oh, here it is. Yeah, the best it's, of twenty twenty three in news. Memories of twenty twenty three. The biggest state and local news stories of the year from our uh, wonderful news department from three to five, and then at five o'clock, IU basketball. Correct. So that's what's happening during this time slot tomorrow. I have no idea what's going on with the rest of the station. Nobody tells me anything, and that's the way I like to keep it. So comparing Trump voters, comparing Republicans to terrorists, that's pretty much the norm these days when it comes to mainstream media and Democrats and progressives. It's it's a comparison to well, Hitler. It's... It's, you know, Trump is a dictator, which in reality, you know, acting like a dictator is what Joe Biden is doing right now, trying to silence and incarcerate his political opponent. Definitely. And and you know what? When you hear the word extremists, they only use that word to describe the oh, right. Right-wing That's extremists. It. There's no such thing as a left-wing extremist. Nope. Extremists are only used to to describe conservatives today. I'll give you another example. Here's, uh, does Chris Matthews still have any relevance to MSNBC? He's semi-retired, right? His name holds weight, but I don't think he really does anything. So Chris Matthews, longtime MSNBC guy, political commentator, said uh, during Morning Joe that uh, when you talk about rural voters and their support for Donald Trump, it's like, quote, fighting terrorism. Check it out. People that didn't go to college have a pretty good rage on their hands. They had, that's a, what you really want in an election is a rage. It can be black rage or white rage or rural rage. In this case, it's rural rage. They are so angry at the liberal establishment, the coastal elite. They look at people on television. They say, oh, those people on Saturday Night Live, those snarling rich kids. Yeah. I know who they are. Yeah. They, they're all trust funders. They don't need they don't have to worry about us. And, and the regular guy in the country goes, there they are snarling and making fun of us again. And every time we make fun of Trump, we're making fun of them. That's the weird. Uh, it's a weird thing. But in a way, it's like fighting terrorism. I mean, you know, we think we just put the army in or Israel just puts the IDF and they're going to solve the problem. It never solves the problem because you enrage people. Debating those ignorant country folk 
is like fighting terrorism. It's like they just compared you to terrorists again. It's statements like that that make us upset. As somebody who went to Iraq to quote unquote fight terrorism, it looks nothing like what's over it here. It didn't. It did. It, you know, well, I'm talking about the people that didn't go to college. Yeah. Did you graduate college, Jerry, for what you do for a living? I did not. Did you graduate college for the intense job that you had in the military, which was, am I allowed to say? Yeah, yeah. You worked in counterterrorism. I I did not. You you didn't have any... No, I went to college for one year, and one year later I was in the service. But hold on, you support Donald Trump, and Chris Matthews thinks you're a terrorist. Or at least least debating you as trying to fight terrorism. Isn't that what they say? That's what really fired up the base, though, right? Uh, Oh, the basket of deplorables. This this is why 60% of the population, a.k.a. white people, were quiet. Because the moment you said you supported Trump, you got called a bigot, a transphobe, a homo... Every name in the book. Terrorist. Just because you supported this guy. And people got tired of it. So that's what Chris Matthews and Morning Joe and MSNBC in general think of you. They didn't go to college and they have rage because they see the guys on Saturday Night Live making fun of uh, Trump and uh, they think they're making fun of that. You are. By today's standard, we're probably better off that we didn't go to you, college. They are trying to shame. I mean, that's that, that was part of the game plan. That's one cog in the giant wheel of trying to get rid of Trump is to shame his voters. January 6th, perfect example, the January 6th committee, that sham committee, mm-hmm. uh, was just a, a giant charade and mostly put together because they wanted to show people, hey, if you support Donald Trump, you support a guy that incited an insurrection. Therefore, you're a terrorist. Was an election denier. Yep. When I can play 20 minutes, I've got clips, montage after montage, of Democrats in 2016 oh. and uh, in 2020, uh, either saying, you know, either denying the election, blaming it on Russia. You know, even in 2020, Hillary Clinton said, even if Joe Biden loses, right. do not. Do not um, concede. Yep. The suicider in chief, Hillary Clinton, was denying the election <laughs> 2016 forever. All right. Hey, uh, Carl, we are playing the feud, please, if you would. Okay, Fetterman versus Carville. Fetterman, of course, the uh, Pennsylvania Senator Doofus, who was pretty much bullied into running for his seat for Senate even after he got a stroke and should have been on bed rest and probably uh, somewhat diminished his capacity to heal for the rest of his life. He hurt himself. I mean, he's he's not right after that stroke, but yet the Democrats and his wife needed that seat in Pennsylvania, need to beat Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz was an awful candidate. Very beatable. But, yeah. but, um, but boy, they needed that, that blue seat. Stroke be damned. You it know? seems like he's recovering well, though. He's he come out and been against anti-immigration, been against them selling U.S. steel to Japan. He's come out and said and a lot of things. And he's been good on Israel and Hamas yeah. as well, but no credit for things you should already be, <laughs> That's true. That's be, true. be doing. But he got into it with Carville here. What's his name? James, what's his name? Isn't that Mr. Louisiana? Yeah, the, the raging Cajun. Um, He's a political consultant. He he's always spouting off on cable news, and he's you know he was like, I think he's best known for his role in the Clinton campaign back in '92 for getting him. He looks like a lizard. Yeah, yeah. James Garvin looks like a lizard. But his accent is awesome. But he could be funny. He belongs um, on the Water Boy. 
He, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Mama says I can't play foosball. <laughs> so Fetterman did an interview with Politico, right? And in that interview, he told Carville he needs to shut the F up because Carville's been warning Democrats about Biden's chances for re-election. And so Fetterman said Carville hasn't been relevant since grunge. <laughs> wow. So here's Carville's response on CNN. He talks about how, uh, when he mentions Josh, I think he mentions Josh Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania, dragging Fetterman over the finish line. Here, here's his response to Fetterman. I think the guy is just trying to be relevant. I mean, Josh Shapiro drug him across the finish line, and I don't, I don't take much offense to it. I would remind him the law of the swamp is that gnats do not fool with cottonmouths. <laughs> but if he, if he wants to to get on TV by saying something about me. You ought to tell all these Democrats that asked me to come in and campaign for them and send out fundraising appeals. To, to, I'll be glad if he has his staff call me. I'll give him the names, and he can send out the, the fundraising appeals instead of me and see how well he does. Non-relevant. Screw you. you know, I, I get Democrats calling me all the time asking for their endorsement. Somebody, Carl, can you type in, what did he say? Nats, to not, nats don't fool with cotton mouth? Some, something me, to that, that effect you, uh, in, in the swamp. Me, uh, tell me what that. Can you type that in and tell me what that means? When we, when nats we to what? Nats <laughs> to not fool. Nats do not fool with cotton mouth. Good, good old southern lingo. I had a friend in the service fool. from Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> he used to tell me it's hotter than a mice doing something in a wool sock. <laughs> it's it's not a Google searchable. <laughs> okay. Well, here is uh, a little bit. So so the substance of Fetterman's uh, critique of Carville is like, hey, lay off Joe Biden. We're trying to win an election here and Carville on the substance of that criticism. I'll say the polls are not very good for, for President Biden. It's like saying it's raining outside. If it's raining, it's raining. I, I, what, am, what does he expect me to do, to go on and say that we built an insurmountable lead? I, I, again, I, I, don't, I, I just think the guy is trying to get his name in the paper and it, that's okay. I, I can deal with that too. It, it's not a, it's not a major thing. But I think that's what he's up to. But I, I don't know what he'd have me do. Go go on this program and lie to you, and tell you that we're ten points up when we're not. I, I don't quite understand what way he's coming from. But if, if he wants to explain himself further, let him go ahead and explain himself further. Yeah, I mean, Fetterman, what's he doing? Like Fetterman, he's got a point. Carl's got a point. He's pointing out the Democrats have been pointing out the obvious for Joe Biden for months if not the past year, his age, his mental acuity, his foreign policy. His poop walk. His... <laughs> Is it just me or does Carville sound like Leonardo DiCaprio and Django? <laughs> I need to go back and watch that again. I, I don't know the... what he's trying to do out here, but I he's love... trying to get his name in the paper. Of course, I love the uh, Django memes for sure. Meanwhile, Biden, he's never been more right. Carville has never been more right about Biden in the polls. Lower than any president in over 40 Years. So with that, and that being the, um, this is like sort of the last Hammer and Nigel show of 2023. We've been doing sort of best of Hammer and Nigel records. Here is our tribute to Joe Biden. Hammer and Nigel records are happy to team up with President Biden. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. With this all new album, Joe Biden, the duets. Hear Joe Biden rock out your favorite songs with some of your favorite artists, like this. Black. 
And this. Black. Black. Song after song of your favorite artist mixed in with Joe Biden's folksy racism. Joe Biden's duets album. Operators are standing by at Hammer and Nigel Records. You ain't black. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here's another lewd, nude dude in the news. Dateline, Delaware County. I believe uh, that is... Um, Muncie based. Muncie is the the county seat there in uh, Delaware County. Sheriff's deputy walking outside around his house found a dude he didn't know standing in his neighbor's yard urinating with his pants pulled all the way down to his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> so this cop walks out, looks, I don't know, left or right, sees some dude taking a leak. And it's one of those dudes. Occasionally, I'll go to a Colts game and somebody's half drunk. It's always a little fully kid, drunk. Though. But no, I've seen adults peeing at the urinal, urinal with their pants all the no. way down to their ankles, and they're usually just trying to. They're usually just hammered or drunk, <laughs> or trying to make a scene. So the deputy <laughs> shouts at the guy. Said, "Look, I'm a law enforcement. You know, I'm police. Get out of here. All right." So the guy, <laughs> this is according to the report pulled up his pants while still urinating and walked down the alley. But the deputy saw the man again, only this time he was on the deputy's porch trying to open his bedroom window. Uh, Rakeem Johnson, 31, uh, of Burn, Burn, was arrested this week. Charges of uh, residential entry. Two misdemeanor counts of criminal trespass and indecent exposure. This counts as a lewd nude dude in the news, doesn't it, Jerry? Oh, when, if you're showing butt cheeks while peeing, you're, pee, you're peeing <laughs> wrong. You're doing it wrong. Uh, according to the police report, uh, Johnson, Johnson didn't seem in a normal state of mind after being arrested. No kidding. Is that a huge Johnson? <laughs> I love Austin Powers. He was moving around erratically in the backseat of the sheriff's vehicle, slurred his speech, and mumbled when asked for his name. Keep in mind, this guy was charged in September with meth, still out on probation at the time of his alleged uh, public urination in the deputy's neighbor's yard. That happened again, uh, I believe, Tuesday of this month. There you go. Lewd, nude dude in the news. This has been another lewd, nude, dude. What are you saying? In the nude. I can't hear you, man. We're still on the air. <laughs> are you? What are you saying? According, according to this, that, that guy was covered in urine then in the back of the cop car. 
Right, because he pulled up his pants while. Oh continued. yeah, I mean, cops. I guarantee they get that all the time. I guarantee uh, at least once a week you're spraying down the back of that car oh. because drug addicts and freaks have feces and in urine Yuck. and other bodily fluids yeah. spread out all over them. One of the perils. One of the many. You're a you're a police officer. You didn't you didn't sign up for that. I don't get paid enough for this. Yeah, no kidding. All right, coming up after four o'clock. New York City preparing to use robots to uh, help defend against pro-Palestinian protesters for the New Year's Eve ball drop. That's next on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Jerry Lopez over there uh, at Indie Spanglish filling in for Hammer. My name is Nigel. Find us at Hammer and Nigel. Have a huge couple of hours coming up at the bottom of this hour. Randy Clark is uh, Breitbart Border Patrol. Um, and he is, I mean, he is on the ground. We've talked to Randy a bunch about what's going on on the southern border. He's never seen anything like it, and we'll get everything you need to know exactly what's happening at the border with Randy at about 4.30. Uh, quick update here, though. Last hour, we had a story about uh, Senator Fetterman versus that, uh, you know, the Democrat political consultant, the Raging Cajun, James Carville. Fetterman basically in an article told Carville to shut the F up and not criticize Joe Biden. And this was Carville's response. I think the guy is just trying to be relevant. I mean, Josh Shapiro drug him across the finish line. And I don't I don't take much offense to it. I would remind him the law of the swamp is that gnats do not fool with cotton mouths. Okay. Law of the swamp. Gnats don't fool with cotton mouths. Now, I didn't know what that meant. We tried to type it in um and I, I couldn't come up with anything in Google. But Malcolm writes to us. By the way, one of the easiest ways to get a hold of the show is to email us. If you take the time to email us, it's almost like like you work a little extra to email us. At uh, Hammer and Nigel. Uh, it's, it's Hammer and Nigel at WIBC.com. Here's what Malcolm had to say. Gnats shouldn't mess with cotton mouths. Cotton mouth is a snake. It's water moccasin and will eat the gnats. James is the snake and Fetterman is the lesser of the two. James is the big dog at the watering tank. Oh, so he was putting him in his place. That's what that meant. I, I'm assuming <clears throat> he was doing, yeah, I'm assuming he was putting him in his place. I just didn't know what that I thought he meant. meant rats don't mess with cotton mouths, and that would have made sense to me. He said gnats don't mess with cotton mouths because cotton mouth snakes eat gnats. So there's your update there. I'm glad our lives are all much better now that we know that i i don't know of a place you know besides war-torn countries anywhere in the middle east besides those places the place i would not want to be here in the next couple of days is new york city for new year's eve especially with all those crazy lunatic anti-israel protesters so they're new york city's got it under control though i I don't know if they got it under control but they're (laughs) using everything in their arsenal to keep it under control, including robots, drones, bomb-sniffing dogs to help defend against those pro-Hamas protesters for the New Year's Eve ball drop. You know they're going to be out. Oh, out. 100%. I mean, this just comes after they were trying to cancel Christmas. Well, they've stopped. Uh, didn't they block a lot of highways and a lot of, a lot yes. of uh, airports? 
Yes, they blocked the they blocked the road to JFK. Yep. Christmas weekend. Yeah, something tells me, and most of these idiots are young college age doofuses that are are from this country that have no idea what exactly is going on in the history between Israel and Gaza, and just just clueless. They do it because it's the in thing to do. TikTok told them to, and TikTok exactly. That's exactly right, and. When when you block somebody, it's one thing to do it on the sidewalk or to march across the circle. Fine, I'm all for it as long as you're not inciting violence. I don't. I might not agree with your cause, but this is the United States. You have every right to do so. But once you start blocking traffic on major cities and interstates and bridges, that's where you automatically should get ten years in prison, no questions asked. And you are not. No offense, but you're not going to exactly endure New Yorkers to your no. cause. No. By blocking their pathway to JFK or LaGuardia on a holiday weekend, um, so you know they they those those anti-Israel pro-Hamas protesters. You saw them over in New York City Christmas Day. Yep. Christmas is canceled. Yep. I think is what they were, which is ridiculous. You don't cancel Christmas. No. It's, that's nobody puts baby in the corner. You can't cancel Christmas. No. You don't mess with the Americans in there. Um, you don't want to mess with anybody. Well, most of us just want to be left alone. And if you're not going to leave me alone, then I'm probably not going to root for your cause. No, especially if you're blocking the road. Yeah. There's nobody in traffic like, you know what, honey? It's okay. We'll sit here. He's right. Um, do we, you know, I'm going to do this next story. Because um, you did send me the story about how Denver are now using robots to patrol their parking garages. And crime and theft and vandalism have gone yeah. down but it, 70%. But the, the, the only thing that you need to know about this is, uh, so it says, two downtown Denver parking garages. You know, people are coming in and out, in and out. So if a person lingers too long, one of these robots will start a countdown. Five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. And then the robot calls their human security for backup. Yeah, I, I doubt. I mean, it's been more than 70% drop in car thefts and vandalism. Not because of R2-D2. Huh? Not because of the R2-D2 robots. Because of why? That's, that's, they're saying it's because of the robots. Well, it's, if it's different, everybody's too stoned to, to break anything. Well, these rake, I mean, they got 360-degree 4K video. They have thermal imaging. They have gunshot detection. They have emergency communication capabilities, which I think is kind of cool. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> How many robots have been they stolen? They're not, they're not armed. No. They're not armed. Uh, let's uh, do some booze news, Carl. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it in your lips? It's so good. It's a present. Booze news, booze news. Yeah. Time for booze news. Beer sales in the United States. Plunging to their lowest level since 1999. Notice I said beer sales, not Bud Light sales. Beer sales plunging to their lowest level since 99, but it's due in part to Bud Light's massive fall off after the tie-in with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. He's that creepy little guy that pretends to be a woman, a (laughs) 13-year-old. He pretends to be like a 13-year-old girl. Weirdo. So, so beer sales as a whole have declined, and they're saying in this article, I think this is a New York Post saying. It's in part because of Bud Light. They declined, sales declined more than 5% in the first nine months of the year, dragged down not only by the backlash of boycotts against Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light, but the changing habits of younger drinkers. 
I think the younger drinkers kind of like the canned cocktails or high noons. Yeah, exactly. It's what you know. They ditching the they're the the alcohol infused yeah. sort of things, the hard seltzers. So, but I mean, Bud Light sales have declined each month by twenty five to thirty percent since Mulvaney this escapade. And even though they're trying to get back into the good graces of the American public, we've seen the. Uh, the Peyton Manning Bud Light commercials. They've tried to hook up with the U. I think they yeah. wrote the UFC. UFC nine. They even figure. got Kid Rock out there now talking about please stop taking down Bud Light. Well, Kid Rock, Kid Rock owns a bar. Yeah, I'm sure that that is denting in his sales. Uh, well, a bar in Nashville. You know what I mean? I mean he. You know, he was all. Did he take a shotgun or, or <laughs> an AK-47 to uh, uh, Bud Light? Yeah. Uh, so even though they, I mean, they wrote a nine-figure check to partner with the UFC. Who knows how many billions of dollars they're spending with the NFL? And for the four weeks ending December 9th, Bud Light's retail store sales were down 28 percent compared with the same time a year ago. 28 percent from a year ago, even though they're trying to win back their fans. So. Uh, yeah, there you go. One more thing here before we hit a, a break. House Republicans investigating whether President Biden was involved in his son Hunter's scheme, as I like to call it. He defied his subpoena. You remember this happened a couple of weeks ago? He had a subpoena for deposition earlier this month. Um, and now they're investigating whether or not his dad, old man Joe Biden, had some sort of um, conspiracy to have his son defy that subpoena. Oh, wow. So he showed up. You remember, he showed up, made some statement like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm the victim here of a ultra-white right-wing MAGA agenda. Um, you know, they're trying to ruin my credibility. And for that reason, the only time I'll testify is out in the open. And he wanted special treatment if he was going to testify and comply with the subpoena. And that's just not the way it works. I originally said, get this guy out here. Yeah, make him testify right now. He's willing to testify. Just do it. But they wanted to get him behind closed doors first, grill him, and then get him out in the open. So they wouldn't have done that. He just would have been, it would have been a farce. Right. It would have been a filibustering farce. And so now they're wondering if Joe Biden had something to do with the his, his involvement in Hunter defying the subpoena, which could be construed as an impeachable offense. So ladies and gentlemen, Without further ado, as we've been doing all day long here, we have been going back, uh, playing some of the best of Hammer and Nigel records, our tribute um, to Hunter Biden, Ukraine, sitting on the border of Burisma, cocaine. Um, we were in a uh, Cypress Hill kind of mood. Who you trying to mess with, Esse? <laughs> Don't you know who my daddy, daddy is? Hunter Biden was trading on his father's office to make 50 grand a month from the Ukrainians. In October, he admitted it. Son of Joe Biden and boy, it's tough. I put the crack in the pipe and smoke it up. I like every day I'm freaking. Laptop freaking. Pictures of me on a cocaine bender. Quick pro Joe got me working in the Ukraine gas company directing. The only thing I know about gas, you can have it. Now I got 50k a month in my pocket. For the directors, Burisma, I'm smashing. My dead brother's widow impregnated a stripper. But nothing is better than crack cocaine when you're rich and famous in the Ukraine. Cocaine in the Ukraine. Cocaine in Ukraine. Cocaine in Ukraine. Cocaine straight to the bone. Cocaine in Ukraine. Cocaine in Ukraine. 
Cocaine oh tonight, you Cocaine straight to the brain. <laughs> Little Hammer and Nigel Records attributed uh, Hunter Biden and his uh, drug problems there in the Ukraine. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this... Anything? No pressure here, Spanglish. This is the last Is This Anything of 2023. Let's do it. All right, you know how to play Is This Anything, right? Let's do it. Usually Hammer gives me the stories. I'll let him know if they're anything or not. I'm going to give you the stories now, and you're going to tell me, okay? So Megan McCain, you remember Megan McCain, yep. son of the late Senator John McCain, and she was a, a mainstay on The View for a long time, put up with those hags on The View oh. for years. And uh, she was kind of the token Republican, even though she was a never-Trump Republican. They railed her every chance they got. Here she is railing against the pathetic and crazy old ladies on The View uh, on the Michael Malice podcast. Well, it's this afternoon, I guess. I was picking my daughter up from school, and I had a few friends text me that Anna Navarro had compared me to Hunter Biden and said on air that or alluded, she didn't use my name specifically, but she said co-hosts that have been here, you can watch the clip, um, that I have basically done the exact same thing Hunter Biden has done. The thing about The View is that I didn't know when I signed my contract with ABC that this is forever, that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be like bullied and yelled at and abused and brought up years. I haven't been on that show in years. I just didn't know that when I signed to do this show that I would, that I have to deal with like, these crazy old people just yelling about me all the time. All the time. I go whole swaths of time without thinking about them, like whole months without thinking about them, thinking about the show or anything. And apparently I am just on their minds every day. And it's pathetic. Is this anything, Jerry? I mean, she should have expected this. You work with Joy Behar or Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> what do you think was going to happen? Anna Navarro is yeah. who she was talking about, uh, about the, at the beginning. Yeah, but but, but she, her point is that like, she hasn't been there in years. Well, but it's much like Trump hasn't been the president in years, but the media can't keep him out of their oh, mouth. Oh, wow. It generates clicks. She's oh, good for man. their business. Wow, yeah. And, yeah, they lost a real uh, – they lost something when she left. They lost their punching bag. She punched back, though. She did. That was the good, I, even though I didn't really like Meghan McCain and I, I thought her takes against Trump were pretty bad, but she punched back at those old hens and, and I think they'd really miss her. Check this piece of audio out. I came across this on Twitter. I don't know who this activist is, Dr. Umar. You ever heard of this guy that's racist? Yeah. Kind of, you have heard of him? He's, uh, well, he's all over the socials and he's, uh, a real racist. He's activist. a black supremacist activist. 100% black supremacist. He's on some podcasts called the Joe Budden podcast. Yeah, Joe Budden was a rapper. He has his own podcast. Oh, you, okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you're here to provide context. That's what's my job. Because this guy has 100,000 followers. Yeah, he's and a big so deal. They had this, this guy, this Dr. Umar, on. Sl- listen to how he's slamming. Kobe Bryant's widow, Jeez. Vanessa, for not giving Kobe's money away to the black community. 
Kobe Bryant. Let me ask you a question. Kobe Bryant. Let me ask you a question. Kobe Bryant died. Vanessa inherited his wealth. Sure. And guess what? Is Vanessa Bryant using any of that black man's money to do any good in the black community? Let me ask you Absolutely a question. Absolutely not. We don't Vanessa know. Bryant. Listen. I don't know. Is I'm telling you. How you Vanessa know? You know? Let me ask you a question. Well, wait. She's a public Can figure. I ask you a question? And, and she just you did. don't know You that. didn't see that initiative. You don't know I that. do know. I do know what I'm telling you, you now. Let me ask you a question. Vanessa Bryant just started an initiative with three pr- predominantly white colleges, some sort of a sports initiative with Kobe's money and Kobe's name didn't choose a single HBCU. Let me ask you a question. With a black man's money. Is this anything? This is ridiculous. Vanessa Bryant owes no, nobody anything. That is that is her husband's money, their family's money, and she's raising her her children. She owes them nothing. She's, she's done as much for the black community as Dr. Omar has. She doesn't owe charities. She could do whatever she wants with her money. Quit pocket watching. Guys, looking into other people's paychecks, Come on, man. other people's wallets, other people's bank accounts. What business of it is your of it is yours, sir? I'm 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 the the part that made me the happiest of that whole thing was the other black males were like, hold on, yeah. hold on. Yeah, you listen to that, that clip was awesome. in its entirety. They're all pushing back yeah, on this. They knew he psycho. was wrong. All right, we got time. Yeah, we got time for one more here. Former ESPN anchor Sage Steele says that the network. Big surprise, told her to put a lid on her Leah Thomas. We, we know who Leah Thomas was, right? The the man the, swimmer from yeah. University of Pennsylvania. That, the Dylan Mulvaney of Pennsylvania yeah, swimming. Yeah, he pretended to be a woman and broke all sorts of yeah. female swimming records, including um, you know beating Riley Gaines, who we've had on the show. Riley Gaines now is sort of a spokesperson yeah. out in front of the movement to keep uh, men out of women's sports. This is, I believe this is on Riley Gaines' podcast. Here's Sage Steele talking about how ESPN shut her down when talking about Leah Thomas. I was asked to stop tweeting about it. I was asked to stop um, doing anything, saying anything about it on social media because I was um, offending others at the company. I made sure I sent off another tweet that night after I received that email Um, (laughs) because like, no, and let's stop living in this lie. And once again, oh, you're you're gonna silence me, but then we're gonna let everybody else talk about all these other things that are not even related to sports on our sports programming. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If we're going to preach on ESPNW and all of these things, and I'm going to stand up for all these women. I believe this was during her lawsuit with ESPN as well, when she was still employed there, but she was suing them. Yep. Eventually settled out of court. She doesn't work there anymore. Is Are you surprised by this? Is this anything? I'm not surprised, but I'm so proud of her for, yeah. for standing up and fighting back, right? Because if more people did that, they'd have to stop this nonsense. So, hey, I do. I definitely want to, uh, you know, with this being the last show of the year, I definitely want to make sure that I let everybody know to make sure you listen to the Tony Kinnett cast this evening for okay. a special announcement. You won't want to miss the awful tweets segment, but definitely tune in from 7 to 8. Big announcement coming up. Big announcement involving Tony Kinnett and you? Correct. Okay. That's uh, starting at 7 o'clock right here uh, on 93 WIBC, the Tony Kinnett cast. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello. Uh, my name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. The biggest story in America for 2023, I believe, is the porous, open southern border, the crisis at the border, Record numbers of illegal immigrants flowing through the border. 
um, hundreds of thousands going unchecked, tons of gotaways, don't even know that number. Um, and really, nobody knows better what I'm talking about than Breitbart border reporter Randy Clark, who lives in Eagle Pass, Texas, which is sort of ground zero for a lot of the illegal border crossers. Randy is on the hotline now. Randy, simple question. Uh, is this the worst you've ever seen it in all your years of covering the border down in Texas? Y- yes, it is. And, you know, I spent 32 and a half years in the Border Patrol uh, from California all the way to Texas. We've never had anything like this, e- even remotely close to this. Uh, I, I visit with Border Patrol agents. I spent the last few months along the border from Alamo, Texas, all the way to Lukeville, Arizona. I have no advice for these young men and women that are out there today because I can't offer any. I've never seen this. They're just toughing out some of the harshest conditions on the border right now with a nonstop flow of people that uh, they have to provide humanitarian care for. And in most cases, 50 percent of the time, they're releasing these folks into our airports. And we hear what's happening in New York and in Chicago and in Colorado. Uh, This is beginning to, I, I think, grow legs and people are starting to realize what a problem this is finally after three years of this unmitigated disaster hey randy this is jerry just quick question what one of the things that i've always thought about is when you know when when we did the defund the police movement there was a lot of police officers that retired early they saw a a drop in numbers of people sign up to be police officers what's the morale like right now around the the border with border patrol and and do you see the attrition rate you know starting to fall with people just being worn out Absolutely. You know, uh, there there are very few Border Patrol agents right now that are willing to work 32 and a half years like I did. Uh, most, if you ask them, when are you eligible to retire, they, they're counting days. Uh, and then some of the younger agents are deciding that they're so new to the outfit, they're just going to go back to their old jobs. They're, they're, and this even affects the families and the spouses. Uh, you know, it's just a miserable situation for everybody. So, yes, that attrition rate is hitting, and there isn't a whole lot of hiring going on. We've seen record numbers, even over the past couple of months, of people coming in right around your area in Eagle Pass. What is that big field that that sits sort of adjacent to what I'm assuming is a processing center? Are illegal, illegal immigrants just, or, or asylum seekers or whatever you want to call them, are they just staying out there in that field? waiting to get processed under underneath the the elements out in the open they are because you know even though there's a significant soft-sided processing facility there that can hold a thousand there are five thousand people normally in there already (laughs) and then what you're looking at in that field that's just a drainage field for for uh, flooding purposes near the port of entry so there is no room at the end. All of this border patrol stations in the surrounding areas, which I used to command when I retired, they're full. They have people outdoors at those facilities. So this is just a race against time trying to move those people uh, to the Rio Grande Valley, to Laredo, to El Paso, just to find a place to put them. Those people are not in the system yet. So when you hear numbers like the border patrol is detaining 20,000 people, that does not count what you're seeing in that field, which could be another three to 5,000 there in Eagle Pass. And you could be looking at another 1,000 in Arizona, in Lukeville, near their shutdown port of entry. So this is really, it has broken the system. 
So, Randy, my parents are from Cuba, so I understand people wanting to come to America to make a better life and for opportunities and things like that. But when you look at the people that are coming to our border, what percentage of those people do you think are, are military-age males traveling by themselves versus families or the demographic of Latino? We're seeing now we have chi- uh, people from China, people from the Middle East, people from all over, where for the most part we thought it was mostly Hispanics. That That's correct, and that dynamic is no greater – seen than in Lukeville, Arizona. Uh, I've been there on the border at the border fence when hundreds come through, and I'm a native Spanish speaker. Uh, I can't communicate with any of them, and neither can the border patrol. Most of them are West Africans. Uh, there's a, a small percentage that are from Ecuador and Peru that can speak Spanish, but everybody else is going to speak either Mandarin or some version of French if they're from Senegal or or African, or they're going to speak a Middle Eastern language, the Arabic. It could be just about anything there, and that really slows the process, and it hampers any kind of interview as to why somebody's coming to the United States. So, so my, it's very hard to do that screening. I guess my question is, for, for somebody coming from Ghana or somebody coming from China, what is a typical route that they would take to end up in Mexico and then come up to our border? Well, so they're going to obviously, you know, run through Hong Kong straight to Turkey, and then they're going to go into South America. So they're going to pick countries that have very lax visa requirements, you know, and and, uh, that route is pre-planned from when they leave. They're smuggling organizations that will send them into Turkey. Somebody will be waiting for them, put them on the next leg of the journey into South America. They'll come through the Darien Gap, and by then it's by foot and by train and whatever mode they can find to get to where they're at. But the smugglers assist them. The human smuggling networks, once you get to one transit node, you're going to move to another and to another, and someone's going to be waiting for you. And they have all been paid by this point. Now, that that is typical of those you're speaking of from mainland China, from Ghana, uh, from the Middle Eastern countries, they are very high-dollar smuggling assets to the cartels because they pay tens of thousands to get to our southern border. The others, you know, they are the poorest of the poor, the Venezuelans, the Colombians. Uh, Venezuelans are coming from a socialist country where they have just been devastated. But they've relocated years ago. So the region there has already settled their refugee crisis on their own. Our administration invited invited them, basically, before Joe Biden got into office saying, you know, you need to come to the border and you need to make your asylum claim. You need to be heard. Well, they heard. They heard all right. And now they can't stop this wave. So we've really not done a service to these migrants. We've we've caused them to uproot themselves from what little they had started to regain, only to come and find out that it's not what people had offered or planned or what you thought you were going to find in Chicago and New York, because those cities are tapping out. Those sanctuary cities regret the day they called themselves that and randy the 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 car you mentioned the cartels i mean that's another aspect of this i mean nobody's benefiting from this except the cartels i mean these people have been duped that are lured here across the border and then they're indebted to the cartels and it, it puts them in danger because they can't go and call the police if they're here illegally because the police will have you know at least in some states in some areas they will have a chance of deportation so th- they could get in trouble taken advantage of by these cartels and nothing can be done about it and it's a danger to them 
Absolutely. The, car- the cartel knows where to get their money. And so the cartel is even overwhelmed by the numbers that are hitting the border. They wow. don't have the capacity because the federal government can't even handle the capacity in the United States to handle all of the people that are coming. So the cartels look for the most high-value targets, and they extract from them. They're smuggling mostly those that have money and relatives in the United States, those Folks from the Middle East that are going to pay fifteen, twenty thousand to get here from mainland China. I've I've seen cases up to fifty thousand dollars to get here. Wow. We have no explanation of why they are coming. But in addition to that, the cartels in the business of getting this fentanyl over. And when this yeah. administration is shutting down those ports of entry and they're shutting down those border patrol highway checkpoints, they are just having a field day. Because now they know that's one last hurdle that they don't have to worry about. If they can just get it in the United States through these areas that are not being patrolled or through these ports of entry where these inspector numbers have been reduced to help the Border Patrol process migrants, they just have an open run on the country. You know, we, so we, we talk about uh, sorry, we, we talk about the people that are being caught and possibly the getaways, but there's a lot of people that just aren't accounted for. Right. So the, the tunnels that the cartels used to use to smuggle drugs, do they use those to smuggle people now? Well, I, I haven't heard those cases because that would re- attract a lot of attention. Uh, w- being that we don't have any firm policy against economic migrants who claim asylum and many who aren't even asked if they'd like to claim asylum. They're just let go because of the overwhelming numbers. Uh, they're coming out in the opening and, and surrendering. Uh, it's those people that face removal, which is mostly Mexican nationals and some from Central America that run the risk of getting removed if they're a single adult male. Those are the ones that are the gotaways, and those are the ones that are getting smuggled in vehicles on the highway that the cartels are making money from them. They're, at, they're extracting that fee to get over the river into a vehicle and off to San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Tucson, Phoenix. That's what we see our sheriff's departments dealing with every day because there's very few border patrol agents out there patrolling to secure this border. Why did Joe Biden do this? I mean, it seems like he rolled out the red carpet from day one in 2020, uh, getting rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, ending Title 42. Is it as simple as these people are going to wind up being a permanent part of our society, therefore more Democrat voters, and that's why he, he did this? Because immigration, illegal immigration, was low during the Donald Trump era, and now it has exploded. Is that a, a simple enough reason as to why Joe Biden decided to go with these policies? I think you can say that that's one, because you see some pushes to allow uh, illegal immigrants to vote yep. in some municipal election. That's the first start. Uh, I've I've heard a crazy thought that maybe we'll get them into our military, uh, which is even scarier, because we're not teaching civics and our Constitution to our own children nowadays in schools. These are folks that are coming that don't know what the Bill of Rights is. And so to swear that you're going to uphold the Constitution and assume a law enforcement role or a military role is even a, a worse idea than, than anything they could come up with. But it's definitely deliberate. You know, I think you could argue some causes, but from this administration and the, and the progressive left, this is obviously uh, something that, they're, that they are keen to doing. Because remember, in addition to all the numbers that you see out in the open, there's 1,400 a day with no greater claim to asylum or no more valid claim to asylum than those coming between ports, and they're allowed to walk over. They just don't have the capacity to let more than 1,400 a day do it at those ports of entry. And so finally, Uh, when they get their court date five to seven years from now, 
whoever's in charge in the office that are going to be covered by CNN and MSNBC. And when they get deported, look at these people. They are being ripped from their homes. They've been here for seven years. I feel like that's another part of the plan long term for the Democrats. Well, I think you're going to hear more cries for amnesty. Yes. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any, you know, any real push to do large scale removals, because remember, once they are given that paperwork that says your hearing is in 2031, they are legal to travel anywhere they want to. They are legal, you know, legally present in the United States. Are, are they legal to work? Because I've heard that if you're here on asylum status, you're not allowed to work. After a six month period, and they reduced that for some of the Venezuelans uh, because of the cries of New York City. But many of them are working. They're working in underground jobs. I, gotcha. I keep in contact with some that I meet uh, when I'm at the border that get released. I call them later on, find out what they're doing. There's, there's several that they're working in landscaping. They're even working in some nationally known companies, in cleaning companies, uh, and they're getting paid cash. They're not paying taxes because they don't have that work authorization. And the government doesn't make anything easy. So applying for work authorization when you're eligible, guess what? You're in a line with three and a half million people that have already been released. So there's nobody to process these applications. So it's taking forever. With with next year being an election year, do you think there's going to end and Trump leading massively in all the polls? Do you think there's going to be a even bigger push to try to get people over here before, let's say he does win to try to get that in under this administration? Well, we saw a surge begin uh, after the uh, in the lead up to the November election and afterwards, just knowing that Joe Biden was going to get in office. Yep. So you so you can just figure that the opposite will 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 happen, uh, knowing that there may be some uh, attempt at mass deportations or closing the border later on. Yes, you're going to see a you're going to see a definite surge in the run up to the election. Breitbart News border reporter Randy Clark, great work covering the crisis at the southern border. Uh, Have a great new year, Randy, and we'll talk to you next year. You all as well. Thank you for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. How amazing was our last guest, Randy Clark, who is the Breitbart border reporter. Yeah, I mean, decades spent on the Border Patrol now covering on the ground in Eagle Pass, which is like, you know, ground zero for illegal border crossers. Incredible interview. Go back and check that out. It should be posted up here very soon, WIBC.com, on the Hammer Nigel page. My name is Nigel. That's Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer over there. So we got a little bit of a short break here, kind of doing a best of uh, edition of the Hammer Nigel show, including a tribute to one Mr. Joe Biden, who rolled out again, as I told Randy, rolled out the red carpet for the illegals to come on through as soon as he took office. Here is the Hammer and Nigel record tribute. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. It's a bunch of malarkey. He's in to watching Matt Locke. He goes to bed at 6 p.m. He loves an open border, letting all the fentanyl in. 
That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine. Bees <laughs> in to high inflation, bare shelves and sniffing hair. We laughed as a nation when he fell on the airplane stairs. We make you take your bike out cause you can't afford the gas. He'll make you scared of cities cause the crime is so damn bad. Come on, he's racist when he's mad. You ain't black. Upside, <laughs> inside out. <laughs> Living la vida joker. He puts corn pop around. Living la vida joker. His ice cream cones are round. They taste <laughs> vanilla mocha. Here's some gibberish sounds. Living la vida joker. Big fetish. Living la vida joker. Get ready, pal. You're going to enter a problem. There it is. Bravo. Latest single yeah, from Hammer I, and Nigel Records. I think we were in sort of a Ricky Martin uh, <laughs> mood when Hammer and Nigel Records came up with that. So uh, a couple more hours left here. It is the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 5 o'clock. Jake Query from 107.5 The Fan. Uh, we'll be talking about the Colts game and this new Bob Knight special that's been running. If you haven't heard this yet, it's incredible. That's all coming up after 5 o'clock. Oh, yeah, off the rails with Rob, Rob, Rob Kendall's calling in. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez in for Jason Hammer. Find him at Indie Spanglish on social media. You can find us at Hammer Nigel later this hour. Jake Query, host of Query and Company, noon to three weekdays on our sister sports talk station. will be stopping by. He's a part of this uh, this Bob Knight retrospective that has been airing. Uh, the passing of Bob Knight, obviously a huge sports story this year, and uh, they did kind of the, sort of a, a timeline of Bob Knight's career, compiled a bunch of interviews, and uh, that is airing on this radio station, New Year's Day at around 11 a.m., and then at 5.30, we're going to get Rob Kendall. We're going to kick the cobwebs around and get him to go off the rails. Rob Kendall, of course, from the Kendall and Casey Show's Taking a lot of time off during the holidays because he never goes on vacation, Jerry. And it's all backlogged <laughs> until December. My mind would be mush, by oh, the yeah. way. I had to spend two extra days basically in bed last week because of the Rona and my mind. You know, it feels like I have been gone forever. And uh, so I can imagine having the entire month of, off of December must be nice. W- would be hard to do also. You're talking to somebody who's worked from home. For years, you, yeah. it drove me crazy after like the first month. I couldn't imagine. I got all the household chores done before eleven o'clock, and now, I'm just <laughs> now what around. do I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things we discussed last hour was the crisis at the open border. I could encourage you to go back and listen to our conversation with Breitbart border reporter Randy Clark. That was an amazing conversation, oh, man, wasn't that it? Was that was not only was it eye opening, it was so nice to hear from somebody who's been there, who is there, who lives in Eagle Pass. Decades in, uh, decades a part of the Border Patrol. Now he covers it for Breitbart. And speaking of Eagle Pass, Tuesday on CNN, 
the mayor of Eagle Pass, which is kind of ground zero for a lot of where these border crossers come in on just a steady influx, thousands and thousands and thousands of people per day for years. Eagle Pass, Texas Mayor Rolando Salinas saying that there are no consequences to violating the law. And that's what we have. And that's why we have a problem. I want to tell our leaders that this is unacceptable. Our city here in Eagle Pass, we've been getting slammed with two to three thousand people a day. And it's just an unfair, unethical situation. What's going on here in Eagle Pass? We feel ignored by the federal government. I've called to the government that we need action. There needs to be a consequence to so many people crossing illegally. If somebody breaks the law, there needs to be a consequence. And right now, there are no no consequences. That's why you have thousands of people coming in through my city, and it's impacting our citizens every single day in many ways. Which is a direct result of the the Joe Biden administration, their policies as soon as he took office. Uh, yeah, so there's no surprise if there's no consequences. Why would behavior change? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kid stuff. Yeah, first thing. R- right that's there. why you get spankings to change your behavior. Again, that's the mayor of Eagle Pass, uh, Texas, where a lot of the illegal crossings happen. Now, uh, this was on CNN. They asked him if he's had any response from anybody from the Homeland uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas. Or Joe Biden or anybody from the administration? No response whatsoever. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas, about two weeks ago, he had the audacity to visit Uvalde, Texas, about 45 minutes away. He didn't come to visit the situation here in Eagle Pass, Texas. I've made a call to our president, our vice president. We need action. There needs to be a message to these people that you, if you want to come to the U.S., you have to do it in a legal manner. And if you don't, there there will be consequences. Until we start deporting these people, they're going to keep coming and they're going to keep affecting the economy, the safety of my, my community. And it's just very, very frustrating that the United States of America doesn't care about the safety, the security of the border. How many of these asylum seekers are economic migrants? Because that is not a legitimate reason. I would say to more than seventy percent, probably. The it, vast majority of them are looking for opportunity. They're not escaping something that qualifies for asylum. Which, look, man, I, I hit my knees every day and pray to the good Lord above. I'd never have to be in a situation where I, I feel like the only solution is to pick up and leave my country for a better life for my family. You know, I understand uh, on some level, but the the reason for asylum is what? I mean, it's it's political oppression. It's uh, religious persecution. I mean, it's it's a tyrannical, evil government. But fear, like fear of fear of violence from the government. Yes, uh, but I mean, ha- living in a s hole country is not a legitimate. There's other ways to go around getting into this country if that's the case. Um, mayor Adams, we all know this guy, the uh, the mayor of uh, New York City, who at one point tweeted out, "You're all welcome. This is a sanctuary city. Come on in. Put, put in billboards in Florida." <laughs> Because Florida was like, nah, he's like, yeah. come on up north. And then all of a sudden, they did, and he's signing new laws into effect now. He signed an executive order to help curb the influx of illegal immigrants into his city. This having to do with the buses, the constant flow of buses from Texas. Just last week, 14 buses arrived in a single day, the most ever recorded by officials at our intake center. I'm announcing an executive order requiring charter buses transporting migrants 
those often contracted by the state of Texas to provide 32 hours notice in advance of their arrival into New York City. We are also requiring that these charter buses arrive only between 8.30 a.m. and 12 p.m., Monday through Friday, and to only drop off passengers at one spot. Failure to do so result in a Class B misdemeanor, possible fines, lawsuit, and even buses being impounded. Yeah, I love how it'll go after the bus drivers. Right, right. But, you know, the people that are actually crossing illegally, so, they, they're so, not detained. So but. this came from Tony Kennett. He said, Eric Adams said that an average of 4,000 migrants per month is too much for New York City to handle. He said he had to clothe them, house them, and educate the youth. He apparently doesn't have a problem with the hundreds of thousands of migrants crossing into the small towns of Texas. So New York City can't handle 4K a month, but Texas better be good with their 150K. It doesn't make any sense. It's so disingenuous. He said four buses, (laughs) Nights. Four buses. Four buses. Three, was it uh, last week? 12,000 people in one day in, and, uh, in Texas. I wonder if Eagle Pass gets like a 36-hour notice. No. No, they see it on the news. Here yeah. comes a caravan. <laughs> uh, how about another Democrat mayor? This time Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, who is somehow inexplicably worse than Lori Lightfoot, says that this is a... Uh, uh, you know, the entire country's at stake here. The technical support that we receive from the federal government, we appreciate that. Uh, work authorization to put people on a pathway to sustainability, I certainly appreciate that. And without real significant um, investment from our federal government, it won't just be the city of Chicago that won't be able to maintain this mission. It's the entire country that is now at stake. But in no now way... Now you get um, it. What the state of Texas? It's like somebody. Uh, I wish somebody would have said that, you know, a year or two ago. Texas was screaming it. Texas was. <laughs> Texas has been screaming it for ten years. Is Both- doing um, is helping the cause. As much as we recognize that there are challenges, significant challenges at the border, and we do need real substantive immigration reform and policies that allow us um, to have a structure and a pathway mm-hmm. um, to citizenship. But again, sending buses all over the state of Illinois and all over the country is reckless and, quite frankly, is dangerous. They love these people coming in. They just need a more... um, We need them to be able to vote, Nigel. They need to be able to vote. It needs to be a more orderly way. We need to... When he's talking about immigration reform, he means let them all in so they can vote Democrat. Give them amnesty. Let them all in. Give them amnesty. But there needs to be a process. We need to be more orderly. We can't just do it by buses anymore. Also, no Venezuelans, please. Yeah. Because they they, don't like socialism. They they hate socialism. Meanwhile, there is another caravan. You've heard about these caravans coming from deep in uh, within uh, the country right below ours, made up of thousands of migrants and asylum seekers headed through Mexico towards the United States. Originally, and they, they arrange... This one is like 15,000, I think I saw. Oh, tens of thousands. Um, tens of thousands of people in this caravan. Do you think it starts with um, one person walking and just people start no, joining? It starts with the cartels saying, hey, pay up and we'll get you through. Uh, I think that's what it is. So let's throw in our cartel people that were smuggling in with these other people. Yeah. And now it's a group so big that they can't figure out who's who anyway. Here's a uh, best of Hammer and Nigel Records tribute to yet another uh, caravan headed our way. Uh, we ended up making about 42 arrests. The vast majority of the people we're dealing with are adult males. Uh, the group immediately started throwing rocks and debris at our, at our agents, taunting the agents. Throwing rocks and throwing sticks. Throwing rocks. They come into America. Climbing walls and jumping fence. Group four down one section. They come into America. 
human shields of moms and kids. Women and children towards the front. They're coming to America. <laughs> waving flags from Honduras. Uh, waving the Honduran flag. They're coming to America today. <laughs> Throwing rocks uh, at the agents. <laughs> Matt Bear, what is up with traffic? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Special in-studio guest Jake Query from 107.5 The Fan, host of Query and Company, noon to three, Monday through Friday on 107.5 The Fan. Tremendous job, you and... I think it was was it you and Jonathan that did Correct. the the Jonathan. Bob Knight special. Jonathan did it. I, I didn't really do anything to be honest. With you. Well, your voice is on it. Uh, well, <laughs> that's true. You know, it, it's interesting, Nigel. Thanks for having me. By the way, what's it, what's uh, it called? The Bob Knight uh, remembering, remembering Bob remembering Bob Knight. Yeah, and you know, but, it's it's almost impossible to summarize Bob Knight within you know an hour or whatnot. But um, and I had told Hammer this as well. So. You know, I grew up around Indiana basketball. I mean, I grew up here. Me too. I went to IU. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to to befriend a lot of guys that were around the program pretty closely. And so I was always an Indiana fan. I certainly knew of the polarization of Bob Knight. I covered his kind of his downfall, if you will, when I was first a media member yeah. here in town. But, um, you know, I think we all knew that Bob Knight was in failing health for quite some time. And I didn't want to be that guy, and I know you you know this too. I, you know you don't want to be the guy that is calling people. And at the time that I was doing this, I was doing the morning show on the fan. So knowing that, I didn't want to be the person that was calling people that were very close to Bob Knight at six thirty in the morning the day after he passed away. Going, yeah. hey, I'm sorry that he passed away, but can you come on the radio? You know what I mean. So I had kind of set in motion for a lot of different people to be interviewed, and then. Um, Lo and behold, I go on vacation, and literally the first day I'm out of the country, he passed away, which obviously is a, a loss to his family and friends. I mean, I'm sure, not, you know, there's no there's no right time is what I'm getting at. But sure. at any rate, so for that, uh, they'd come to me and said, "Look, why don't you take all of the interviews that were conducted, listen to them, pick out the 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 real nuggets that personify who Bob Knight is, and then just kind of." S- tie that you know sew them all together into one tapestry which is really what jonathan did in the editing process but but i told hammer this too i don't know if i've gotten a chance to tell you nigel in listening to all of the interviews that were conducted upon bob knight's passing probably the two most noteworthy figures in the legacy of bob knight that were interviewed amongst our stations were in fact calbert cheney and steve alford who you guys did yeah they were great um and i thought you guys did a really good job of bringing out you know it's easy for anybody to just go, yeah, he was a great coach and he was always prepared. <laughs> but but those guys had, as, as people here in the special, they had funny stories. They had stories that I think illuminated a little bit more about Bob Knight aside from just the guy walking the side. Yeah, so it's Alfred's story about how you leaving practice in a huff and then coming back because he has to put his clothes in his locker. And, every, and, and he's so. like, you know, that, that was an example of, you know, he was always <laughs> kind of teaching you the lessons, whatever. So you guys did a really good job with that. But um, but the you know, special, by the way, the special uh, on Bob Knight, it's aired a few times on 107.5 The Fan. It is going to air again on our radio station on New Year's Day, I believe, at okay. 11 a.m. if okay. anybody's missed it. so um, But yeah, I'm glad that you 
that you were able to listen to it, and, and I was glad they asked me to put that together. Jake Query here for 107.5 The Fan. For for those people that may have been listening, like me, I was uh, kind of in and out with family on Christmas Eve. I had the Colts game on in the background. I thought the Colts were supposed to win that game. So before we look ahead to the Raiders this week and how important a game that is for the Colts, just kind of the big picture, what, what happened with the Colts on Sunday against the Falcons Yeah, it's a really good question. <laughs> I think the reality is if the Colts and Falcons played 10 times on a neutral field, the Colts would win probably seven of them. Yeah. Um, you know, Atlanta's not completely void of talent, but what Atlanta was able to do, it's interesting because they went to a backup quarterback who was more their more experienced quarterback in Taylor Heineke, who's a guy that beat the Colts a year ago when he was with Washington. Um, but Atlanta was just able to essentially use their ground game to keep the Colts' defense at bay, and then when the plays were able to be made in the passing game, they were you know they they made plays they had to make. So they kind of they, they kind of took the Colts' defense and said, okay, look, we're not going to try to beat you with the long ball. We're just going to basically death by paper cut, and that's kind of what they did. And as a result of that, they took the ball out of the Colts' hands offensively, so the Colts couldn't get in rhythm. And Michael Pittman Jr., who was the leading receiver for the Colts, yeah, and that out. is he's the safety net for Gardner Minshew, and he wasn't in the game. So that really handcuffed them offensively. How did Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor look okay? Jonathan, How did he do? Because he came back. That was the first game back after yeah, that thumb injury. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say because basically, and to put this, you know, essentially what happens, and I'm not trying to talk down to people because I think people know this, but when you have a great receiver like Michael Pittman, who is your He's the guy that takes your your offense and spreads it out, right? Sure, you take yeah. him out of the equation now, and the defense is able to yep. say, "Oh, we're just going to come right up to the line, and Jonathan Taylor come and beat us." And they were able, never able to get that running game going because they didn't have anything to keep the defense honest. So it was kind of hard to assess where he was. I think we know Taylor's a great player, and Taylor has home run capability, but in order to get home run capability, you got to keep giving him the ball. When they know he's getting the ball, that becomes difficult. So, and, by, and one more thing, how in, was that game important in terms of the Colts' playoff chances? I mean, it, I know they're still like the seventh seed or something correct. like that right now. Great question, and the answer is this. It was important in this fact. Everyone else around them that they are competing – I always say, imagine the playoffs like a traffic jam. Yeah. Okay? So the Colts are sitting there in the right – they're actually in the left lane. People are trying to merge over, right, because it's it's about to go to one lane. And the Colts didn't do anything to let anyone over, but nobody else was aggressive okay. in moving over because everybody else around them also lost. So it was important in the fact that it they denied themselves opportunity to get breathing room, Yeah. but they didn't lose any ground really because everybody else that is in the same boat – also basically wet themselves. And so we look ahead to Sunday at home, Lucas Oil versus the Raiders, coming off a big win against Kansas City. Are the Raiders all they're cracked up to be? I mean, are they a horrible team? Are they an okay? I mean, they just beat one of the best teams in the NFL, and how important is this win for the Colts now? The NFL is set up to have a ton of parity, Nigel, where where there's just on any given Sunday, right? That's the phrase. That's the way it's set up. And for the most part, excluding maybe – two or three teams at the top and two or three teams at the bottom, everybody else in the middle is in this vat of mediocrity, right? Yeah. And the Raiders and Colts are in that same group. Um, look, Vegas coming in, they have a, a quarterback that people here are familiar with, Aiden O'Connell, Purdue guy, that's a rookie that, that is not necessarily going to light it up with his arm. But they do have a good running – their they're best running backs out for the year, but they have a good running game, and defensively they're pretty nasty. They can get after it, and they can keep Jonathan Taylor and Gardner Minshew at bay. They're going to have to do that to stay in the game, but they were able to do it with Patrick Mahomes. So 
you have to take them seriously for sure. And they actually have a chance now, do the Raiders. A lot has to happen, but they are not ruled out mathematically from winning their own division, so they got a lot to play for as well. Uh, is it too early to start talking about May? <laughs> it's never too early I mean, to start talking about May. I right? mean, I, you, of course, a voice, uh, one of the voices there uh, on a call at the uh, IMS radio network, and you travel around with uh, IndyCar do, doing uh, races. It'll be here before we know it, I will say that. When, when is the first, like, when do you start getting into that mode? I mean, you host a daily radio show noon to three here on our sister sports box station, 107.5 The Fan, but you also travel around every weekend um, yeah. with the duties with um, um, uh, with the IndyCar. With IndyCar, yeah. yeah. So we start the year in March, uh, early March in St. Petersburg. I think it's early March. Yeah, and I've always day, wanted to go to that race. It's great, it's great because it's spring break time. And, yeah, you, know, you, you get out of the weather. But uh, and then we take actually a couple of weeks off, and then it's Long Beach and Barbara. I mean, there's some cool places at the beginning of the year. But to answer your question, around Valentine's Day, around the time that the Daytona 500 starts going in NASCAR, we actually have a staff meeting where we get together and just kind of go over the year and just kind of reacquaint, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we always say, like, hey, man, it'll be here before you know it. And then once we go, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I do the daily show, which I love doing. And then every Friday, as soon as we're done, I hop on a plane and I go somewhere. And then once I get to the racetrack, I get in that mode. Like, it's interesting. Any track that we go to, people will say to me, you know, I won't remember anything about the race the year before. And then I get to the track, and when I see the track physically, then I can remember everything that happened. But I have to be there for it to happen. What so a cool gig, man! It, it is pretty cool. I mean, it is I, awesome. Look, I'm I'm very lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got just like you guys, man. We got a lot of people that that we're fortunate to have listeners that make us do this for a living, and I hope people understand that we take it. Um, you know, it's a great honor, and we have a lot of fun with it. Jay Query, host of Query and Company, Monday through Friday on 107.5 The Fan, noon to 3. Jake, have a great weekend and a great New Year. Thanks for stopping All right, by. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll be right back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! And now... Amber and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. The noise pollution. <laughs> Let's uh, go to the hotline and bring on Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey show and kick around the cobwebs in his head. He's been off for like the past month. Is your brain like just complete and total mush, Rob? Are you okay? Here's the thing. And by the way, thanks to Garage Doors of Indianapolis, our uh, sponsor of this fabulous segment. Nigel, I found that I work harder being on vacation than I do being at actual work because my wife, who is a saint, always watches our daughter while I'm at work, and she has made up for lost time over the past uh, 20-ish days, my friend. I uh, th- th- Here's the thing with Rob. Rob doesn't take vacations, so the company doesn't reimburse you like for those vacations. It was use them or lose them, so... You pretty much just piled them all into the month of December, and it's been it's it's been Daddy Daycare. Is that what you've been? Is that what you're saying? Your very first Christmas with your new daughter? Uh, yeah, I, like I said, my wife has totally made up for a uh, lost time. <laughs> she is getting all of her excursions in uh, while I'm here. So yes, I actually work harder not being at work than I have at work because 
as you know, Nige, we, we don't really do anything while we're at work. No. We, get, we get paid to we get paid to screw around all day. How has the time off been in terms of keeping up with current events? Do you still watch the news? Are you checking your Twitter feed? Are you does that part of your brain shut off when you are away from the office? You know, I've gotten really good at this, and you've known me for a long time. I used to get really weird about not being at work, yeah. and I think that's part of a work ethic thing. But obviously, as you become an adult and you become a parent, you've got to learn to disconnect from things. And so I think I've done a pretty – I'm pretty proud of myself. I think I've done a pretty good job of – look, when the major things happen, I've tried to kind of be aware of it. Obviously, all the stuff with, with Trump, and then there's been some big local stuff that's been going on. But I feel like I've done a pretty good job of disconnecting. Let me – one of the things – I was down and out last week for a couple of days with the Rona. And one of the things that when I kind of came to, I saw the headline about there was a n- reported CBS News that Donald Trump was considering Nikki Haley as his running mate. I don't know if had it had any validity to it or not. Did you see that headline? And, and what did you make of it when you when you saw that? Well, first of all, let me say it was like you had like a Cal Ripken streak going of not getting the COVID. I know. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> so well, you have too. You yeah, still have never I, had it. I will say I never tested positive for COVID. I think I might have had it over one Christmas break a couple of years ago. But yeah. I, you remember the old regime used to make us test, like yeah. make me test every week. For <laughs> um, yeah. So I saw this, and I think this is what. And look, with Trump, you never know what's real and what's not, and how many times has there been incorrect reporting on him. So you got to take it all with a grain of salt. But I think this is what's frustrating for people is. On one hand, you got this guy just brutally beating the hell out of her on social media. I mean, yeah. what do you call her? Bird brain, I think, was his, uh, <laughs> his for her. And then all yeah. of a sudden, Forget oh, about he's that. under consideration to be my vice presidential pick. I think this is what's maddening for people like me who are a consistent conservative is there is no consistency with Trump, both in personnel which is what got him in big trouble the last time all those yes uh all those backstabbers and and with the policy i think a lot of the stuff he did was good but there's no rhyme or reason to any of it and there's no guidepost with what he does or who he surrounds himself with well i think donald trump jr jr kind of put the kibosh on that we played a clip of him on newsmax saying yeah, that ain't going to happen. I would do everything in my power to fight that and, you know, list it off a whole litany of reasons why Nikki Haley would be horrible for Donald Trump. I mean, she embodies the swamp. And I just wanted to also ask you, <laughs> we had another clip yesterday of somebody, some Democrat strategist on CNN feigning outrage that Donald Trump on Christmas Day put out a social media post telling his political opponents to, quote, go to hell. <laughs> I'm sorry, that makes me laugh, especially that it's on Christmas Day. This guy on CNN was calling it blasphemous. I pretty much call it par for the course for Donald Trump. Well, I love that the left has now suddenly found religion. Oh, and yeah. Their idea of, yeah. of decency is suddenly deeply, deeply rooted in the Christian faith. Um, you know, of course, when they're sucking brains out of defenseless fetuses, like sure. like they're going out of style, that they can't be bothered with that. But here again, with Trump and and you know, on our show, we we tell everybody how we see it—the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I I keep going back to this with Trump. 
that when you don't have a guidepost, it makes it very hard for someone like me to get invested in the person because while Trump did some really good things pre-COVID, I think the tax cuts were phenomenal. I think finally making uh, corporations competitive, our, our country competitive on corporate tax rates. I think there's some other things that he did with energy that were great as foreign policy was phenomenal. Don't forget about working with Kim and Kanye on prison reform. Look, there's a whole bunch of things you can say, hey, that was pretty good. But you are judged on how you govern in crisis because how your morals, your standards, your reverence for the Constitution, your principles, that's when it comes out. It's easy to do stuff when when your back's not up against the wall. And during COVID, whether it was putting Fauci in charge or failed uh, former Surgeon General Jerome Adams or all the, the magical money printing factory that they yeah. turned on or, you know, promoting masking or the shot. I mean, this, all of that stuff was a colossal failure. And so if even the most ardent of Trump supporter could look at that and go, well, that, that was really good. Things went really well during COVID. So you don't know which guy you're going to get coming up in 2024 if he wins. And Will it be Joe Biden in 2024 looking ahead? One of the things I wanted to do today during the segment is kind of look back on 2023, some of the biggest stories nationally and here locally. But, I mean, when you look ahead at the general election that's coming up, I mean, it's it's Trump and Biden pretty much at this point, isn't it? I mean, we can speculate on Biden and his health and will he make it to the finish line, but I just don't see anybody else waiting in the wings for the Democrats. That includes Gavin Newsom at this point. Well, Casey has a theory, and it's pretty good for a woman that a woman came up with this. I tell her that all the time on our show, (laughs) that I give her a lot of credit for this. Um, And I I actually think there's some merit to it, which is they're going to let him run because they can't run the risk of potentially somebody like a Bernie Sanders winning the nomination. So, you know, they're going to... Yeah, just like last time, right? Right. So they're going to let him be the nominee. Well, then once you go to a convention, you know, let's say it's a month before the convention and all of a sudden there's some issue. Well, now it's not the the far left that gets to pick it because your national delegates are chosen usually by state party. They tend to be more institutional people. And if you wanted to control the process and not have Joe Biden as the nominee, that would be the way to do it. Now, if it's Michelle Obama or it's, you know, Gavin Newsom or Kamala or whoever. Sure. Now it now it takes it takes the risk out of the lunatics picking the person. And I, I look, I think if it's not going to be Joe Biden, that that would be the way they'd have to do it. 2024 is going to be crazy. Man, it is going to be one interesting year. I'm happy to be I, I'm, I'm fortunate to be a part of it, especially on this platform on 93 WIBC. We're going off the rails with Rob Kendall. We'll then talk about here in the state of Indiana, a very crowded governor's race, uh, especially on the GOP side. Who do you see coming out on top? We have plenty to choose from. And maybe who doesn't make the ballot? I mean, is is a guy like Curtis Hill going to be on the ballot when it's all said and done? Is he going to have enough money and enough donors and enough uh, uh, polling data? Well, it's fascinating because you've got five people running, and I describe them as all equally unimpressive. And what I mean by that is there's not one of them thus far that's put out a really big, bold idea that you say, that would make a profound difference for regular people, and here's how I'm actually going to do it and get it done. Nobody believes Suzanne Crouch is actually serious about 
eliminating the income tax. Nobody actually believes she's serious about cutting the government necessary to do that. And even if you did, that helps really rich people. It doesn't help regular people. Nobody has any plan on property taxes. Nobody has any plan on the gas tax. Not a single solitary one of these people has put forward a plan to cut government in the state of Indiana, to revamp government in the state of Indiana. And so thus, I am assuming with all of these people, you're just going to kind of get the status quo. The same old, same old. I would say Curtis Hill is probably the least offensive in terms of his actual policies and things he's done. Yeah, I like there's him. Nothing about, yeah, but there's nothing about Curtis in his plan so far that you go, wow, that's really going to yeah. be making a difference for me and my family. We are going off the rails with Rob Kendall. Can you stick around for one more segment, sir? Abs- absolutely. Anything for you. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back going off the rails with Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Sort of a year in review in Rob's head anyway. When are you back on the air, Rob? Uh, is January the second? We get the first off. That's a Monday, right? Yeah. So you'll be here yeah. Tuesday the second of next week. Shows. Uh, I'm just going to text our boss, David Wood, and go. It's the second. I'm supposed <laughs> to come back, right? <laughs> You'd better double check just to make sure you've been gone so long. Other stories uh, that stick out in your mind. We got a couple of minutes left here with Rob. Um, in, here in Indiana, what what was the most important story? Uh, politics-wise, news-wise, that that's, that stands out to you? Yeah, so there's two. One is still ongoing, and so the conclusion of that will decide whether it was actually the most important story of this year. Actually, they're technically both still ongoing. But the John Rust lawsuit, John Rust is an egg farmer who uh, is trying to run for United States Senate on the Republican side. There's this just totally ridiculous law in the state of Indiana that says you have to vote in two consecutive Republican primaries in order to run for, uh, uh, you know, that uh, that office uh, under that party. A judge threw, Russ challenged the law. He's a very wealthy guy, so he had the means to do it. Challenged the law. A judge threw the law out and said it's unconstitutional. Not it's only, hey, look, in- back up, Rob, just for a second. So, and not only that, but if the, you don't either vote in a primary, there was also the provision to where somebody could just sign off and let you run, right? Was that the other yeah. part of it? Yeah, this this was what I call the Undesirable Control Act, and what it was designed to do <laughs> is keep people that the Republicans and Democrats, but the Republicans make all these laws, so we'll pick on them, keep those people off the ballot. And you're right, Nigel, this law was so corrupt that what they did is they said, well, if we actually like you, if we actually think you're a, a big enough stooge that you'll do what we say, we've put this mechanism in there where even if you haven't voted in two consecutive primaries <laughs> with our party, just one person, the county chair, can just sign off. That's and right. So this judge right, rightfully threw it out. I, if you read the tea leaves, it appears the Supreme Court is probably going to uphold this judge's ruling. And did the and county will, chair where Rust is not sign off on that? Well, she loves Jim Banks. Okay. And so that's who that's who Rust okay. would be running against. And what's really interesting about wow. this is the incessant whining from Jim Banks. You know, and I know he you know comes on your show sometimes, but he's supposedly this big, tough military guy, and he is acting like a petulant child that he's going to have competition. So that's a huge deal because now millions of people will be eligible to run for public office. Yeah, Abdul said because of that law. Abdul said because of that law, something like eighty percent of Hoosiers were ineligible to run for that type of office. That's a crazy yeah. number. 
Yeah, well, again, it, it's totally corrupt. It's what the Republicans do. They want to control the narrative. They don't want undesirables to be able to run. They don't want people that can't control the run. So that uh, that's a huge thing uh, for, for the state of Indiana if that gets upheld. The other one is what happens to Todd Rokita, because Rokita's back in front of the disciplinary commission. No. I, I, I just don't think there's any way, based on what happened the last time he was there, and two judges wanting to suspend his law license, that he doesn't at least get his his uh, law license suspended. The question will be whether they permanently uh, take it from him or whether he gets reinstated. If they permanently take it from him, he would be eligible to be attorney general. So that will probably be decided in the next month or so. And he's probably definitely going to get a challenge now at the Republican convention in June for, uh, you know, his attorney general spot because he's up for reelection. So two just super huge stories that still kind of have to be decided, but have been partially decided in 2023. Rob, what's on the uh, docket for New Year's Eve? Anything fun? Well, you know, it's my birthday, Nige. That's right. Um, As is so my son's, a, yeah. It'll be, uh, yes, your son is very fortunate to share a birthday with me. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I never go out because, no. you know, it's amateur hour yeah. out there, Nige. And, and so I, you and I are seasoned, skilled drinkers. Yes. We know you can you can get just as wasted on any Thursday <laughs> as New Year's Eve, and you, you've got a less likely chance to get in trouble. Well, hey, uh, Rob, uh, it's the uh, Rob back on the air this Tuesday, the Kendall and Casey show after a long break. Rob, Happy New Year. Best to you and yours, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we love you guys. Thanks, as always, to Garage Doors of Indianapolis. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.